Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Idle Chatter. I'm your host, Ray Bohax, the hot rod farmer from Hackettstown, New Jersey. And hopefully things are going well for you this week and uh, every day in your farm and in your life. It's been cold and rainy here. I forgot to check the rain gauge before I came. Well, I'm going to say on the air. I'm not really on the air, right, because I'm recording it. It's not going over the airwaves right now. It goes over the internet, so there's no airwaves on the internet, I guess. But anyway, I, forgot to, I want to check the uh, the weather station to see how much rain we've gotten so far this year. The other day, we got, I think we got three inches this week, uh, more or less. I went down to Maryland to, to Ben Hushin to the mill who does my fertility program. He's my agronomist. And I went down to pick up, I've made two trips down to Maryland from Hackett's down here so far this week since we've gotten together last. And I uh, will have to make one more trip. And it is uh, just about 220, uh, I guess, just shy of 225 miles, 224 miles each way. So it's about 450 miles round trip. So that is... uh, a pretty good pretty good ride it consumes the better part of the day and i why i usually make two trips but this year i'll have to make three because i'm using my ranger and in the past i've gotten a press vehicle a pickup truck to road test for farm machinery digest radio and for the podcast and for the website and i would use that as a real farmer inspired road test right going to get a 275 gallons worth of fertilizer in an ibc carrier and a tote that doesn't get much more farmer than that but this year i was not able to schedule anything in time i have some vehicles scheduled and we're going to go over that in a minute but i wasn't able to schedule in time and the it seems that the chip shortage or supposed chip shortage (laughs) whatever it is has really affected the manufacturers press vehicle fleets so there are not many vehicles out there and um they're in short supply so i do have uh what do i have here let me go to my list here well i do have scheduled a 2022 Silverado, and it has there, I forgot, you know, you, I, I'm a car guy, but I can't remember this stuff today, and it's not because I'm getting old and senile, I mean, it was, it, there's just so many different names for things, but anyway, so this Silverado has, I think it's called Cruise something, or I don't know what it's called, everybody has a different name for it, but it's a quasi-autonomous mode, so I I guess uh, Super Cruise, I think it's called Super Cruise. So it has this Super Cruise system, and you could take your hands off the steering wheel on certain roads, and it'll drive drive by itself. Uh, if you hear any meowing, it's the kittens waking up. It'll drive by itself. So that's coming. And then also a Nissan Frontier something, Pro 4X or whatever they call it. And that is coming. It's a new, uh, they I think for 2022, Nissan redesigned the Frontier. So I, uh, I'm going to have that. And then from Ford, I have two Mavericks coming back to back. So one is a hybrid and one is an EcoBoost. So I'm going to be able to test those back to back. And I'm really interested in getting behind the wheel of that Maverick. And then once again, sadly, sadly, is that Ram. Now I know, I know a lot of you guys are Ram fans. So this is probably going to step on your toes a little bit, and you're going to be like, I'm not listening to that hot rod farmer anymore. 
And as they say, I guess in social media, you're going to cancel me. But you know I'm a straight shooter. You know it's the real deal with me. I don't have any agendas other than to educate my audience. To the, with, and the only thing that I know about is machinery and engines and th- stuff of that nature. Is that, well, let me back up a little bit. As a member of the International Motoring Press Association and all those other things that all journalists, whether and today the term journalist even considers a podcast or a radio show host or a YouTuber or what have you, but years ago to be considered a journalist, you had to write, you had to be printed. It had to be printed, so in a magazine, newspaper, what have you. But they've expanded that. So anyway, did all journalists have access? I mean, it's not it's not legal that they. I'm saying it's not deemed by law, but have access to press vehicles. And what a press vehicle is that every car manufacturer has a fleet of vehicles that they want to to get seat time with into the press so now even a big magazine which is not that big anymore like car and driver or motor trend all right they go to this through the same press offices and throughout the country they have these press offices and they're usually in larger metropolitan areas so over here in new jersey uh the office excuse me my i just had to <clears throat> wipe my face here but the uh, the offices in well it used to be in manhattan and now they're they're on the the New Jersey side of the George Washington Bridge, cheaper rent and uh, less congestion. So anyway, and these vehicles, and you apply to the manufacturer and you build a relationship with the manufacturer and you build a relationship with the uh, press office. In some instances, the press office is a private company. So they have a contract and they have a contract with the different manufacturers and they house many different cars and they coordinate getting the vehicles out to the journalists and back and forth and maintain them wash them whatever something needs to be fixed they don't fix it themselves they get it taken care of and then some companies like ford do it internally so it's it's a ford if ford does it's not going through a press office and uh so chevrolet in the the new what they call the new york city zone goes to a press company and that same press company handles nissan and handles uh, a bunch of other brands that, that i think they handle kia they handle bentley they may handle rolls royce i think they handle bmw but those are not brands that would have any real connection or um interest i i shouldn't say they really wouldn't have interest because let's say if you want to buy your wife a suv you may be interested in that or a sedan but as as far as the true dynamics of farm machinery digest they don't have that great of an interest i mean i did the corvette last year because that's different the hot rod farmers but so anyway and then ram or stellantis uh uses the same press office so what happens is that you contact in this you contact the whoever the press representative is it's a moot whether it's direct or employee of the company like with ford or through a agency and you say hey i'm looking to do something bah, 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 bah. and then you know in the beginning they ask you for your credentials they take your driver's license uh they want to ask you where it's where it's going to be published or what kind of exposure it's going to get and what have you and then they they give out these vehicles when they can and they usually the terms are usually for a week so anyway, uh, the press company that handles 
uh, Chevrolet, GMC, and Nissan. Like I said, forget about the others, uh, the other brands, Bentley and what have you. I'm not interested in that. Um, is this is this one organization up in right uh, right up on, on the New York State border in New Jersey? But they also recently got well, a year or two ago Ram. So I said, okay, fine, I'd like to do something with Ram. And if you turn the clock back when I started this whole thing and I did my first road tests, is that, you know, as a member of the press and as the member of, of, of the journalist society and what have you, is that historically these companies come looking looking to you. I, and Ford is the most fantastic to deal with. They'll, they'll call me up and say, hey, you know, you're going on vacation with your wife. You want a Mustang convertible to, to, to take? You want this? You, 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 want a, you want a Lincoln SUV? And, the, and, and they're, they're, they're so engaged with getting the vehicles out. And this, and I'm, I'm humbly going to say, I'm sure they're like that with everybody else, not just me. All right, but but that I don't know that for a fact is that uh, you know, that, oh, you need something, let me know, let me know. I mean, you want to tow a boat, let me know. So, uh, the thing basically is that and that's really what their job is because it does no good for those vehicles to sit in a, in a parking lot someplace. Every manufacturer wants the vehicle to get out there and get exposure. So, I so Ford is never Ford is fantastic and and they deliver everything right to the farm. I said, you want me to come pick up? No, no, no. We'll deliver it right there. We'll, if you're not there, we'll leave the keys in it. They're fantastic, right? Um, as far as Chevrolet and Nissan through the agency is concerned, they've been very, very good. They uh, they want me to come pick them up and then bring them back, which is not the end of the world. Uh, it's about 65, 70 miles each way. They have a big, they have a beautiful parking lot there. I could leave whatever one of my vehicles there. I usually use my wife's old ZX2 and leave it there. And it's like an airport car now, but her shopping car going to the supermarket. And then, and why I'm really not too adverse to doing that is because it gives me 65 miles or so back to the farm here to drive in 65 miles going back a little bit more seat time because I have to actually go out and drive these vehicles because obviously I don't commute someplace I work here in the farm but I do have a test route that I take them on a two different test routes a long test route and a short test route so I could do fuel economy and I could have uniformity so if I take uh whatever an f-150 on this route I'm also taking the Silverado on the same route and then what I usually like to use go get my fertilizer with it but anyway, so a couple of years ago when I started this, I you know reached out to Ram because I thought that they were so big in agriculture, right? They did, you know, uh, their commercials with the Super Bowl and uh, uh, what was that? Uh, not Thank a Farmer, I forgot what it was called. Uh, it was wonderful, wonderful uh, with that voiceover. I forgot who it was, but... Um, Oh, God made a farmer. I mean, it brings tears to eyes. It's wonderful, right? And they're involved with, 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 with the, the uh, you know, with the 4-H and the Future Farmers of America, the FFA. I had to say it that way because I say FAA, Federal Aviation. And, you know, they got all these things going on. So I figured, man, this is a shoe, and let me get a ram in here because I would like to drive it. And I'm a fan. You know, I'm a fan of their products. Uh, I don't have one. I have a Ford, but I'm a fan of their products. It's an American company. So, uh, well... It's, let me just stay on track here. So anyway, and back, they rejected me. And they were not using the media office then. They were doing it directly, and they rejected me. And I've never been rejected in my life for a press vehicle. Like I said, usually you got to ask them, hey, you, know, you got to give them, oh, geez, I'm really busy, or I'm going away, I can't, I can't drive that, because I don't want to drive a Kia. 
all right so i don't want to drive a hyundai whatever so what have you so anyway i'm not saying that they're bad i don't whatever so what happened was that now that i knew that the same media press company got ram i said oh i'm going to go back and i'm going to try it and well to make a long story short 12 minutes into the show once again ram rejected me they will not give me a press vehicle and i've never in my 20 something years of career when i just started my writing career for car magazines the first company i went to they said yeah what do you want yeah so ram so either ram does not like me for some reason or the people at ram don't like me and interestingly enough i just did the on the road podcast with matt hagan who is sponsored by stellantis and i even told him that and they give me some kind of bs story oh we don't have we don't have we got a small fleet i said well you got a pickup truck sitting right there in upper saddle river new jersey uh well let's revisit this and uh and and so so they so anyway there's something fishy between you, me, and the lamppost, there's something fishy about Farm Machinery Digest Radio, the agricultural community in Ram. And personally, what I think it is, well, first of all, I think somebody doesn't like me there because I'm a straight shooter. They're probably uh, a liberal Democrat and I'm a, I'm a conservative, patriotic American, but who knows? I don't know that for a fact, so I really shouldn't have even said that. But anyway, is that... I think that they may have listened to one of my shows, one of my road tests, and they may have read some of my road test articles, and they recognize the fact that these that I put these trucks to use as a farmer would. Then I'm going to put four thirty eight hundred pounds of fertilizer in the back and tow it, or not tow it, haul it in the bed, two hundred fifty miles from the mill back to my farm. All right, and personally, and I felt this right from the beginning, is that, and this is going to, this is where I'm going to ruffle your feathers, Ram fans, that damn truck can't do it. And so you can say, oh, I got a Ram, you're hollering like hell, it's probably slamming down at the damn uh, computer right now, whatever you listen to this on. Now, if you look at, and is that, I'm not saying a Ram 1500 can't tow something. But that suspension they have with the coil springs can't take the weight. And if you look at it, is that a ram that, when was the last time you saw a ram 1500 with the coil springs carrying three, 4,000 pounds of fertilizer like you see an F-150 or you see a, a Silverado or a GMC Sierra? Well, think about it. You see a guy maybe towing a trailer. I'm not saying it can't tow right Tony trailer has a, a three bags of mulch in the back maybe has a motorcycle in the back and to add i won't name any names but somebody who is in the who in the agricultural business bought a ram 1500 a big horn i think they call them big horns right he said i can't put a thousand pounds in the back of the truck it's dragging on the ground and the rams that you see working are either heavy duties or they're 2500s on up so i really think that's what it is and they don't want to tell me that because they only have 50 everybody just has a half ton pickup truck in the fleets over here so they don't have any three quarter tons they don't have any diesels 
uh, I did have the one, the GMC with the six-cylinder diesel in it, but whatever. So the city guy trucks, the suburbia trucks, let's go to Home Depot and pick up three bags of mulch and throw them in the back. And I'm well convinced because they just rejected me again the other day. They said, oh, oh, well, let's revisit this. I said, to them, I'm not revisiting this. It's been going on for three years. And I said, you know what it is? I said, I could give a darn less. I told the representative from Ram. I could give a darn less. I said, but... You are insulting my audience that is loyal to you. My audience buys a lot of Ram trucks, and they're probably buying sixty, seventy thousand dollar ones. And you don't want to represent a, a, a lousy fifteen hundred Ram to my audience when everybody else is begging me. I said, "There's something not right here." I said, "I'm done with you. I'm done with Ram. I'm done with Stellantis." All right. I mean, I'm not. I said, "I'm not coming to you." I said, "You could give me a Ram. I don't want it." I told him, and, and I could care less. It's because you're insulting my audience. And I really think, and, and just this past weekend, somebody told me, they said, I can't put it, because what happened is that I went with my Ranger, my little 2,002, 20-year-old Ranger. I could put 2,000 pounds in the back of that truck and haul it home. All right, I don't put that much coming from Maryland. I put about 15, 1,600 pounds because it, it, I'm going too far. But I've had 2,200 pounds in that truck hauling it from, from the other side of Warren County to the farm, which is 25, 30 miles on backcountry roads. Zippo problems, baby. Zippo. Nothing. And matter of fact, even when I was picking up my fertilizer, I, I my one load of the broadcast, we put it in there and the guy standing he goes, If that was a that's a little ranger said, so that was a damn ram, a bumper would be on the ground. So that's it, people. So that's why there's no rams. And uh, I have nothing against the people, the rank and file that work in the company there. The guy's screwing them together in Detroit. Good people and but they will not give me so basically in essence they will not give you any exposure to a ram 1500 and i think it's because it can't do the job otherwise you'd be anxious to have it there so that is basically it so let me know anybody's got a ram 1500 tell me when the last time you put 2022 or put 3500 what not 35 3600 pounds almost 4000 pounds like i put in the f-150 or a silverado I could put 4,000 pounds in an F-150 or a Silverado, and it laughs at me. It says, hey, farm boy, that's all you got? So that's it. All right, so we will leave it at that. But uh, and now I'm interested to see with the Maverick, because they claim it could, <laughs> I think the little Maverick, front-wheel drive Maverick could outhaul in the bed. I'm not saying towing a trailer. Outhaul in the bed, a damn Ram 1500. But now we got some winners here for the Hot Rod Farmer license plate. And we have Mr. Andy Lindsay from Freeport, Pennsylvania. And Andy is a long-time listener of the show. A long, long-time listener of the show. And his daughter is uh, actually is an engineer with John Deere. And I know he has some other children. I believe he has another daughter, and I, he believe he has a son. But I know that his daughter is an engineer for John Deere, and she was one of the people that were that was involved with this. And I don't know the level, so I'll, I'll involved with with the sea and spray systems. And she is getting married, I think, this October on the farm. So I think that's wonderful. She's coming back from Iowa 
to get married on the family farm. So Andy, congratulations to you. I know you're so proud of your all of your children, and rightfully so. And I'm just focusing on the John Deere because this is Farm Machinery Digest Radio. I mean, radio, excuse me. Uh, I'm, <laughs> uh, the I Don't Chat a podcast. And uh, I'm, I'm honored to know that there's going to be a hot rod farmer license plate, hopefully on your pickup truck. Maybe it's a Ram, right? <laughs> and uh, and then the next person that is uh, 1A license plate is Rock Katchnig. Now, I know he listens to the radio show because I met him out at Commodity Classic and he came up to, he heard this voice, this New Jersey accent, and he came up to introduce himself. And he's from Western Illinois. So, Rock, I need for you to reach out to me. Andy, I need for you to reach out to me. Email me at hotrodfarmer at farmmachinerydigest.com and get me your mailing address and I will get those license plates right in, right out to you ASAP. So that is uh, good. And and also, if you want to get into the contest, all you need to do is email me at hotrodfarmer at farmmachinerydigest or the better thing is that we say, go to my website and then... Uh, Sue put up a uh, a form there. Fill out that form. We'll have the form on file, and this way, when you do win, right, you will be able. I will be able to get that license plate out to you, and you may even get it before you hear your name announced. So that'll be nice. So I have to wait for these people to get reach out to me and get me their mailing address. So Andy Lindsay and Rock Katchnig, as they would say, on the prices right. Come on down. You are winners. Now let me see. Uh, I'm hoping by the time this show drops that I'll be on the tractor with the planter putting some seed in the ground. And um, I did not have any trouble getting my seed, thank God. And that's all here. had no trouble getting my fertility program or anything else. But everything was twice the price. Well, I shouldn't say everything. The, the, the fertilizer was twice the price. And, and Ben Hushin over in the mill, uh, and I'm going to get into the topic of the show today, Sorry, I'm going on so long, but I wanted you to know about the press vehicles, and I wanted you to know about how Ram really, I guess, doesn't care about us in rural America, contrary to what their advertising says. But I'm, I'm just going to touch on that for a minute, get back in that. You know, if they come to me and say, "Me, look, we we listened to your show, we heard what you do, we put thirty, you put thirty six, thirty seven hundred pounds of this and drag it back, pull it back from you know from Maryland. This truck is not going to do it with the coil spring suspension. You want us to give you a twenty five hundred? You want us to give you something else? That's fine. That's cool. No issue with that. But to tell to tell me in a nice politically correct way that my audience doesn't have any value to them. All right, whether it's the radio show or the podcast, and then they go and try to advertise to the farmers. Right? Well, I don't know. There's a, some kind of disconnect there, and hopefully somebody from Ram is listening. I'm not sending this to them because I could give a darn less. But anyway, um, what I was going to say is that the so Ben mixes up. He I I soil test with Midwest Labs. I send it out to Nebraska. Get the results back. Send it to Ben over at the mill. Ben Hushin. And um, he is my agronomist, and he mixes up, uh, well, my two-by-two. Two, so everything is custom blended. That's why I go down there. So it's all liquid. My broadcast, he custom blends. And then my two-by-two two for my plant. And my two-by-two two for my plant, who I believe, has 11 different, um, I'll use the word components, 11 different um, 
fertilizers in it. Uh, so it's a very, very custom-made blend, and Ben does a great job, and I've been dealing with him since 2016, and him and his son, and uh, great operation there, great operation. And that's why I go all the way to Maryland, because they, I cannot get anything like that in New Jersey. That they, you go to a grow mark or you go anyplace else, and I'm not saying anything bad, but they got, if, if it was an ice cream store, they have vanilla, chocolate, strawberry. That's it. You want one of those three, you're fine. And with my fertility program, when I tell people I got 11 different 11 different fertilizers, different co- different components in my two by two, that people look at me like I'm like they can't believe it. But Ben has access to, you got to see his facility, has access to everything. And so he builds it like I build a drag motor. It's got manly rods in it. Well, I only use manly car. Oliver rods in it, J.E. pistons, it's got a Cali's crank, it's got a dart block, it's got Brodex heads, it's got a Holly carburetor, it's got a MSD ignition. So he puts it all together, what's going to be the most efficient, best program. And whereas when you go to these bigger guys, nothing against them, they're only got strawberry vanilla chocolate and whatever that is if you want one of those you're golden so that is it but now on today's show almost a half hour into which i'm quite sorry about is that um what i'm going to be talking about is not overbuying equipment and when is it too big or how much how many are enough so it's all going to be a collaboration of it and what basically um you know the impetus for for this probably was going down back and forth for me to go to Maryland with my little old Ranger, 2002 Ranger, and uh, four-cylinder, it's not a V6, it's an XL short bed, crank windows, no air conditioning, factory. The only f- options it had from the factory is the sliding rear window and a Ford bed liner, factory bed liner. It was a, you know, it was a, a bed liner, not a, they didn't have spray and bed liners back then. But we ordered it brand new right after the 9-11 attacks. Actually, my wife bought it for me for a Christmas present. I ordered it in October. It came in two days or three days before Christmas. It was made right here in New Jersey in the now defunct uh, Ford plant that's knocked down and is a, a shopping mall selling Chinese-made stuff. And uh, But uh, so, so it's New Jersey born and bred, and it's been a fantastic truck. I've done nothing. To, well, I shouldn't say I've done nothing to that truck. I had to put lower ball joints in it last year because the cups rotted out and the um, the ball joints started to make noise because they got dirt and moisture in it. Obviously, tires, n- never put any brakes on, factory brakes, never put a headlight in it, put license, put brake, the third brake light, and I changed a couple of times, and now I have to, I have one or two bulbs out in the dashboard I have to change. Uh, and... Um, yeah, other than tune-up, changing the uh, fluids on it, did absolutely nothing. It only has about 100, 150-something thousand miles on it. doesn't have a lot of miles, but uh, but nothing, zero. And it could out-call in the bed of RAM, so I had to put that in there. But anyway, so going back, you know, so people come to me, and I'm going to get into this in a roundabout way. You know, when, in my writing career, automotive writing for many years, and and did that and really enjoyed that until that industry started to wane. Uh, but I bought a little Ford Escort, brand new, back years ago, 1998. And I ran that thing 500,000 miles, still running. It just rotted out. 
all right so the 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 heart of the lion still goes the engine the transmission everything it's just that the floor was rotting out and that's why i bought my fiesta but and the you know i used to go someplace and for business for my writing career when i wasn't doing agriculture just automotive and people say oh man i mean i wasn't a hot rod farmer but they knew that i had a hot rod drag race background and they expected me to pull up in a vet or a Mustang GT, or a Firebird, or Camaro, or maybe a Challenger, or or who knows, or whatever. And they expected me to pull up in that. And they and they said, "Oh man, we thought you know, you thought you know, you'd be driving something with 500 horsepower." And, and I said, "No." I said, "Why would I drive something with 500 horsepower?" I said, "Because this because this car makes me money. I'm getting 45 miles per gallon. All right, you're paying me to come here. The IRS mileage rate. I put a lot of miles on." and and i the irs mileage rate was a higher rate of deduction than it cost me to drive it and i go all around the country i'm by myself i could carry everything in it if the car was only i bought it brand new back then it was twelve thousand one hundred dollars with an x-plan from ford but anyway um i go all over i'm coming here i hit a snowstorm it goes through the snow like a like a like a like a tank i said why would i why would i want to do that i said if i were to come here and i didn't say this to everybody but i mean people i got friendly with i said if i were to come here with a with what you said let's say a corvette or whatever a mustang gt i said i have a car that i have a three times the investment in new jersey three times the insurance which is a big player in new jersey and get a lot and i would not be able to get here in a mustang gt through a snowstorm and all i'm going to do is be carrying my overnight bag and my camera bag so the rest of the vehicle is going to have nothing in it but i pull so i said that made no business sense whatsoever not saying that i wouldn't like to have one of those as a toy in the garage i'm not saying that but it's not a smart car smart vehicle for me to have for business and then when i got involved with agriculture and i was driving the feet you know driving the fiesta I'd get to say, oh, I thought you'd come here with a big, you know, Duramax or a big Cummins diesel blowing black smoke and rah, 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 and all that stuff. And I, I said the same thing. I'm coming here by myself with my camera big or now with my podcasting equipment, which fits in two plastic tubs. And I said, I'm getting 45, 50 miles per gallon with the Fiesta. The Fiesta cost only $15,000 brand new. And uh, I have, and I'm running all over the country, all over, right? All types of weather. And if I would have bought the at what you had th- thought I should come here with, I'd have sixty or seventy thousand dollars in it. Right now, I'd be burning seven dollar a gallon diesel fuel, right? And I would be getting no more for what I'm. I can't. I can't tell a client. Well, you gotta, you know, you gotta charge, pay me a lot more for this because I'm coming here and it's you know with seven dollar a gallon diesel fuel and a seventy thousand dollar modified blowing black smoke pickup truck, or even it's not blowing black smoke, a big SUV. I said I'm still. It makes no business sense whatsoever, and that was you know once again that was brought to light because moving the fertilizer with my Ranger. With gas being five dollars a gallon on both trips so far my ranger got 27.85 on the first trip and 27.84 miles per gallon on the second trip round trip those are round trip fuel economy numbers going back and forth to the 
to the mill in Bel Air, Maryland. So I'm going down there with the tote empty and coming back with the tote with some level of capacity filled, all right? And I'm getting 20, so arguably 28 miles per gallon. Now, like I said to my wife, even if I got a press vehicle, let's say I got an F-150, got this Silverado, or I got this magical missing in action Ram, I wouldn't be getting almost 30 miles per gallon towing the same thing. So the point that I'm trying to say is that my little truck, all right, does everything that I need it to do. Now, yes, if I had a bigger truck, I'd be able to put two totes. Let's say if I had a three-quarter ton with an eight-foot bed, I'd be able to put the two totes in the back of the truck at one time because the planter fertilizer versus the broadcast, there's less going in the two-by-two than in the broadcast, gallons and weight, and make one trip. Granted, not going to deny that whatsoever. Not going to deny that. But I'd have a sixty dollars or $70,000 investment, $50,000, $40,000 investment in a truck that the rest of the year I would never have used that capacity. Now, if I was saying, well, I'm shuttling fertilizer back and forth all day long, a couple of times a week, what have you, then that's a different story. So my little truck causes me to go one more time a year to do something, and then one extra trip, so 450 miles round trip, one extra trip, all right, but I have a cost savings for the rest of the year, because other than that, with my small little operation, I don't need anything bigger than that. And it, and, and it would serve no purpose whatsoever. It would actually be a hindrance because it would be harder to park or what have you. So that was the catalyst for a half hour into the show of today's show, is that what I've seen is that so many people end up buying too much of whatever it is. And I mean too big, too powerful, too expensive. So that is what I am going to discuss today. Now, the other part of it is that so many people buy too many. So too much, too much, too big, too powerful, all right, too much that way, and then too many. And and that causes a problem also. So let's talk about the business side of your farm equipment. Now, coming from the car industry, the car business, I see so many parallels with farmers with their equipment. I mean, it, no difference whatsoever. Zippo, for the most part, Zippo whatsoever, is that you'll have you'll have a person, and you could see this. You could if you if if you if you keep your eyes and ears open, you keep your eyes open. You'll see. You could prove this to yourself. Is that a good many people buy, and I'll come from the car side. They go and they buy too much car. That we had a woman the last year, very nice lady. I don't know her. She bought she bought corn at the at the farm stand, and she had a brand new BMW. And uh, as you know, I worked for BMW in the engineering department as a test 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 engineer, what have you. So so, um, and but that was a number of years ago. So it was a brand new five series. It was a be- I mean, it was a beautiful car. You can't deny it's a beautiful car, and it was brand new. She had uh, paper license plates on in New Jersey. They have a paper license plate. So when you pick up a new car, until they get you the license plate, the transfer ones, they give you a temporary license plate. They used to stick it in the back window, but now it's actually a cardboard license plate that would go in the normal location on the back of the vehicle. Because we have front and rear license plates in New Jersey, but on a temporary, called a temporary plate, it's only in the back. 
And the paper license plan said, oh, I just said that it was white. It was gorgeous car. No denying it. And she says, oh, yeah, I, uh, I just got it the other day. I, I always wanted one of these. So, and I, so I was, oh, it's beautiful. Best of luck. I mean, best of luck with it. I think it was a five series. I remember which engine it had in it. Um, but, you know, nice lady. And says, oh, I wanted to treat myself and what have you. So I said, geez, you know, what did you have before? She says, oh, I always I always used to get my husband's hand-me-down vehicles because he puts a lot of miles on, so he'd put 100,000 miles, whatever, and then he'd buy a new vehicle, and then I wasn't going far to work because I only go 10 miles each way to work, and I'd have his hand-me-down vehicles, and now, and she did something in the medical profession. I don't remember what it was. So I'm only, you know, put 20 miles a day on, so I'd get his vehicles, and but now I want to get something nice for myself. And there's nothing wrong with that. And then, you know, this is all part of my my show today there's nothing wrong with this aspiring to have something aspiring to say you want something nice so i'm talking about the business side of equipment in this in this episode there i'm not talking about your emotions because your emotions are your emotions you have the right to like something or not like something i'm talking about the business side of it so after the after the woman left i said to my wife you know you see so many people and you know, I'm not, I don't want you to think we make a habit of talking about people. That's not the case as Christians whatsoever. But I said to my wife, you know, that poor lady doesn't know what she, and I'm laughing, what she got herself into. I said, it's a beautiful, gorgeous car. And if you're going, first of all, if you're buying a 400 horsepower something, whatever, BMW, whatever it may be, whatever, four, you're not using that vehicle anywhere near to its potential going 10 miles a day. All right, so that's like that's like me buying a one-ton diesel dually pickup truck to the to uh, to uh, you know pick up a bag of uh, fifty-pound bag of cracked corn for my chickens. All right, I'm not using it to its potential whatsoever. They sold her, or she—I don't want to say they sold her because that's implying that there was a there was a devious motive. She chose this car, whether it was how it was represented. Her, it had the performance package on it, which means that it has really big wheels, which look fantastic, right? With with you know with low profile tires, it's like a woman in high heels. Big wheels and low profile tires on a sexy body car look great. No denying it, like a girl in high heels. All right, so the thing basically is is that. But those tires are basically rim protectors, and if on the roads in New Jersey, you have a very, very good possibility that in short order, you're going to bend one of those rims because there's not enough sidewall. The second thing, basically, and I kind of asked her this, and in a, in a roundabout way, I said, how do you like it? She says, oh, geez, you know, it ri- it actually rides rougher than the old pickup truck my my, my husband that I was driving. I think she had a f-150 or something pickup truck that she was driving so uh, she says i'm kind of disappointed the way it rides well sure if you have a sus- if you have that type of vehicle with that type of suspension it's a looker and it's a handler but it's not going to drive the second the next thing also is that wheel package that she has on there is it, it, it's not go i'm going to use improper it ain't going nowhere in the jersey winter with ice and snow so now she's going to have to put by different rims a smaller rim because even if you put a snow tire on there and it's that this the same size with that same low profile and that width it's not it's going to be marginally better up than what they would bmw calls a summer tire because the compound is going to be more flexible in the, in the cold weather but it's still not going to be that good the other thing is that that is a high main maintenance car all right you know all 
all of those exotic things are high maintenance. I don't I mean, you might say, oh, that's not really an exotic car. It's not exotic in the sense of it being a Ferrari or a Lamborghini, but it's you know, it's it's a high maintenance car. Anything that you're producing that kind of horsepower from a small engine is gonna be high maintenance. Um and I mean by high maintenance, expensive maintenance. I'm not gonna say that it needs to be maintained every day. The other thing, basically, is I said to her, you know, I, I said, did you find out what the cost to insure? So he said, she said, no, 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 I didn't find out yet. I don't want to know. And in New Jersey, that's the wrong thing to do. Because years ago, I wanted to buy a Mustang GT convertible, brand new from Ford, or I'd order it. And I always, whenever I buy a vehicle, I always check what the insurance is ahead of time because in New Jersey, it's a killer. And this was 20 years ago. They wanted $4,000, well, it's $3,900 to insure a Mustang GT convertible in New Jersey. So when I got the prices, oh, you mean for all of my vehicles? Says, no, 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 that would be just adding the Mustang. So I said, I'm already paying $1,500. So yeah, it'd be about $5,500 to keep everything insured. I said, no, thank you. I don't want it. So she didn't do that. The other thing is that the the BMW, I'll say, because I did a show on Octane, right, is calls for premium fuel, all right? So that's, an, that's another thing whatsoever. So you put this all together. Now, I'm not going to say that this, I think, was a 540, so it would be a V8 5 Series. It may not be a 540 anymore. Usually the, the, the first number on BMW was the body style, the Series 3 Series, 2 Series, 5 Series, 7 Series, 6 Series, and then the next two digits, so it was like a, years ago, it was like a 535, that was a 5 Series with a 3.5 liter six cylinder, so it used to be a 540, it was a V8, so I don't remember, but it was the beautiful car, gorgeous, right, not denying it, color scheme, she had everything was beautiful on it, but the fact of the matter is you're going... That car is going to handle wonderfully. It's going to drive. It's it, it, it's what I mean. It's going to drive. It's a performance car. It's meant for you to take the exit ramp at three at at three times what the sign says. So if it says thirty mile per hour exit ramp, it's meant for you to take it eighty or ninety miles an hour. All right. So so it is not the type of car that you are going to get any value from driving 10 miles a day to the hospital and 10 miles a day back home. So now you spent $75,000 for it, which is what she told me she paid for it. You're going to have all these additional expenses. And yeah, for the first week or two, a couple of weeks, it's going to be really nice and say, man, oh, wow, it's a beautiful car. You have Miss so-and-so, it's beautiful, gorgeous. Oh, yeah. And then you go someplace, it's going to be beautiful. Once that wears off, there's nothing that's going to come in the mail but bills. Right, so now I see the same thing happen in the agricultural community. And this, like I say, God bless her. I mean, if you really want that, but do you, do you think that you want it? All right, or do you really want it? And if you can't use it, if you can't use it for what it's designed for, then to me, it's a waste of money. And I, like I said, I see the same thing in the agricultural community. So here it is, everybody is mocking me I shouldn't say everybody, for my little Ford Ranger, all right? And I'm not saying that no one should buy a half ton or three-quarter ton or a dually pickup truck. Not saying that whatsoever. But you have to look at your business model. If your business model says that you're going to use this three-quarter this three ton diesel pickup truck, all right, and you're going to put it to... You're going to put it, and most of the time, not 100% of the time, most of the time, it's going to be used 
in a way that it was designed to be used. Either you're towing a trailer with it, you're carrying a, a lot of weight in the bed, you're doing whatever it is designed to be used, then that is a good investment. But once you get into buying that truck, then do you say to yourself, well, do I need a, a Platinum or a King Ranch or a, a, a High Country or what have you? For, and like I said, this is I'm talking the business side of it. I'm not talking the personal side of it and if you say do i need this because you go so say maybe hey i'm going to get this dually pickup truck that i need but what i'm going to do is i'm going to get a gas motor and i've spoken about this on the show before because you put a diesel into anything today it's 10 grand all right and it's real cool i got the diesel that's 10 grand more for the diesel and going back and forth to maryland is that diesel fuel for the most part was a couple of cents shy of seven dollars a gallon whereas regular gasoline was 460 a gallon right no bargain there but compared to seven dollar a gallon versus 450 a gallon 460 whatever the number they say five dollars it makes a big big difference and plus you have ten thousand dollars upfront cost you have higher maintenance the so the thing is that so that you could look at that same pickup truck <clears throat> using that as an example and say <clears throat> well i'm not going to get the top of the line trim i'm going to get the rubber floor mats remember i'm talking about the business side of it not saying well i want to go to town you know uh i want to have the top of the line well if that's what you want god bless you all right then do it it's your money it's not my money but in the business side what you're doing is you're you're, you're elevating the price of the vehicle or the tractor or what have you just to get all these bells and whistles and what you're basically doing is you want to be able to go to town or go to church or go to the feed store and brag oh look at that joey got that thing oh boy that's the big that's the big cummins and that's a door oh, that thing is beautiful it's got the moon not denying like this lady's car but that does not make a good business sense because once you buy that whether you buy it or you lease it you're wedded to it for that length of time and if you're operating costs so you're getting hit just like this lady is going to be got get hit with the, got hit with this bmw your your initial cost is going to be higher and then your operating cost is going to be higher because you're buying seven dollar a gallon fuel versus four five dollar a gallon let's say double the oil <clears throat> more filters more everything and if you and if you are not using that engine in that pickup truck all right forget about the body of the pickup truck if you're not using the engine in that pickup truck 60 to 70 percent of the time under what it was designed for so in other words you're not really working it then to me that is a bad investment i was going to use the word foolish bad investment and with today's gasoline engines like the uh the chevy engine uh, of whatever they call it, the uh, uh not ls series uh, vortec the ford uh, uh godzilla and i think ram is missing an action there too with they have the 6.4 hemi but that's really not it's it's really not uh not a competitor versus the the chevy and the godzilla ford but i mean it'll do what it has to do don't get me wrong all right so i mean you could put one of these gas engines in any one of these three pickup trucks even a 6.4 ram and all right so you go up the hill five miles an hour slower but how many times are you going up the hill are you running this route every day 
So that's really what, what, you know, and then what happens is that I see it as I start to say, keep your eyes open, is that you will see because of the, I guarantee you, I'll go back to this woman and I'll make a parallel to farmers, is that I guarantee you if this woman comes back to the farm stand while I'm there, right, and she's driving that car, I guarantee you that car has not been well maintained for the past year. I guarantee you, with rare exception, because she brought in to, she would bring in to get service and find out it's three hundred dollars to change oil at BMW. She probably you, the tires that are on there probably they're rated for probably ten thousand miles. All right, and uh, the tires are probably half bald. And you see the same thing with these people with these big pickup trucks. You tell me how many pickup trucks you've seen that are like that, and. Uh, you know, top of the line pickup trucks in three or four years from now, they look like hell, they look like crap, all right? You listen to the diesels, they never advertise the fuel. It's just, a, it's a nightmare because what they basically did is they made an emotional decision for a business decision. And I did something like this a while back in the archives, if, you know, touching on it almost. But the fact of the matter is, is that when you, and the same thing happens, you know, I, I see here in town, the guy buys, uh, he's got a house in a subdivision. They, he buys, whether it was sold to him or not, he buys this $18,000 huge zero-turn mower to cut his grass. All right? Beautiful piece of equipment. I'm not going to deny it. All right, top of the line, beautiful. He buys a $5,000 zero-turn mower. All right? All right, and I'm nothing against a zero-turn mower. Don't get me wrong. Nothing where he buys a, a really big lawn tractor, and the guy spends more time going around in circles. All right, I have a John Deere, a D110. It was seventeen hundred dollars, brand new. All right, it's got a forty-two inch deck. I cut about, if I cut everything, it's about three and about four acres. Right. So if you said to me, "Hey Ray, you're you're nuts," because what you could do is you could go out there and if you bought that $20,000, whatever, $10,000 zero-turn mower or bigger tractor, instead of four hours, you get done in two hours, all right? I'm not going to get done in 15 minutes. So I'd say, yeah, you're 100% correct. But I did the math in my head, and I would rather spend an extra two hours a week cutting the grass and save and have a lawn and have a lawn tractor that only cost me seventeen hundred dollars is very easy to maintain has really nothing to break on it not saying that the other one does all right plus where i store it because i have sea containers here on the farm where i store my equipment and why do i have sea containers oh why don't you have a beautiful shop i would love to have a beautiful shop to put my equipment in all right instead of storing it over and storing it everything i have is 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 under cover all right but it goes in sea containers my tractor goes in a sea container my my planter goes in the sea container all right because in new jersey they would tax me out the yin yang all right for anything and plus to build anything in new jersey is a nightmare even on a farm you have to do an environmental impact study. Even though we have 100 acres, which to most people listening is not a lot, that I have to notify everybody, not where I'm putting the, 100 feet from where I'm putting the building, 100 feet from the perimeter of my farm. And then I have to notify them with a certified letter that it has that they, they are invited to a town board, planning board meeting to see whether I could put up a machinery shed. 
right? Then they're going to tax me on it, and they're going to do, it's a nightmare. I pay, I'm not, it's public record, my wife and I pay on our house $10,000 a year tax on the house in New Jersey. And you tell somebody in this area, said, you're paying 10000 Well, that's cheap. I'm paying 17000 I'm not talking about the farm. I'm talking about the two acres on the house. All right? I, I, I know people who put up a nice Butler type of building, steel building. They're charging them $7,000, $8,000 a year tax on that building alone, even though it's a farm. Because on a farm in New Jersey, the land could be farm assessed which is a very low rate. I only pay about $600 for the whole farm as far as property tax is concerned. But any structure that you put on the farm is taxed at the same rate as if it were a guy from town. There's no difference. So if you put up a nice nice Butler or Morton building, then you better bend over and grab your ankles because you're going to really be paying for it. So is it an obstacle for me? <clears throat> to not have the type of shop I want, I'm not going to deny it, all right? I'm not going to deny it, but if I look at what it would cost me to put up that building, forget about the building. Like I say, I have to hire an engineer, I have to environmental impact. It would cost, It would. when we built our house, which is now and 25 years ago, 26 years ago, it cost me back then $18,000, or $20,000, $20,000 in New Jersey, for for fees and, and and engineering drawings. And this was a modular house. It came here, got dragged here from Pennsylvania on Route 80 in four four different trucks, and they lifted it up with a crane. I it was twenty thousand dollars by the time I got done just to get approvals on land that my family has owned since nineteen fifty four, long before I was born. So the thing basically is it comes into, you come into saying is that when you look to do something on your, then you say, well, I mean, somebody say, I live in Nebraska, I don't have that problem. That's great. If I lived in Nebraska and I didn't have that problem, I'd have a beautiful machinery shed with everything in there, beautiful, nice floors and what have you. But, but I have to look at it and run the numbers and say, geez, you know, is it more, is, am I losing efficiency this way? I'm not going to deny it, but is, can I, work around that inefficiency just like can i work around having the smaller pickup truck for my operation i'm not saying that you don't you go buy a ranger <laughs> i'm not saying that but you have to look at it but when i look and see all of these people spending so much on a lawn tractor on a zero turn mower that they really don't need but you have to run the numbers you have to pencil that out and say is this of value to me to spend this and what are the carrying costs the carrying cost is what you know the upfront price on something doesn't kill you it's the cost and that's basically what i was trying to convey with that woman with the bmw to you not obviously to her i wished her the best of luck with it and congratulated her and meant it sincerely but the carrying cost on that car is what's going to barrier the carrying cost on some of these pickup trucks that the farmers buy i mean i go to meetings you know and i went to a uh uh oh whatever uh hefty hefty seed came east and darren had a darren hefty is a friend of mine and he invited me over went to the meeting and it was raining it was in, i it was in a fall and i i went there as a uh farm over in pennsylvania whatever having it and it was drizzling and it was raining and i'm looking at these people they got these seventy thousand dollar pickup trucks they're coming there right all right the thing is that that's fine not knocking it hard right, you need it that's fine if you need it i don't think one of them are waxed and really say it was raining. they weren't beating up 
I look at half of them, the tires are half bald on them. So the thing is that you need, you can't be, you you have to look at your business. Same thing as, you know, you could go to the tractor dealer. You go, I don't care, John Deere, Fent, what have you, Case IH, whoever you go to, right? You could take a, you know, a hundred horsepower tractor and probably put thirty dollars or $40,000 worth of accessories on that tractor that are not going to make it work any better in the field. They're not going to give you one bushel more, all right, maybe a little bit more comfortable, and you have to find, like in, like in soil, right, the soil has base saturation, you have to try to find that balance of saying, okay, fine, yeah, I'm going to put a lot of hours in, so I want the better seat, and I'd like to listen to, you know, to, to, to Ray on the serious, I want this serious radio, but you, they, they, you, the people bundle us all in, put all these bells and whistles in it, and when it goes down the road, just like me and my little ranger, I'm not going to get any more yield if it if I brought it if I brought that fertilizer home in a seventy thousand dollar pickup truck that got fifteen miles per gallon instead of twenty eight miles per gallon towing load. Zero. I'm not getting any intrinsic value from that whatsoever. I'm getting no financial value whatsoever. Would it have been nicer ride? Yeah, possibly. All right. But the thing basically also is that all of these pickup trucks are so high, I could put the empty tote in the back of my truck and take it out by myself. On every truck I had that I got a press vehicle, these new pickup trucks are so high, I had to go and get one of the young men, uh, Lucas, who lives two miles away down the road, come and help me put the empty tote on it. My Ranger, I'm self-sufficient. So what's that worth? Right. But you have to look at it and you have to say, okay, fine. The chassis of the farm tractor, the chassis meaning the frame, the engine, I need, you know, 300 horsepower. I need this. I need the high flow hydraulics. Do you need the moonroof in the tractor? Do you need the $10,000 leather upholstery? Maybe you do. All right. And maybe you, uh, but most likely you probably don't. Now, the thing basically is you put this fancy interior in a tractor and now you get in it. All right, all dirty because something happened. The rock got stuck in the disc or whatever happened, and you're over there, and now you're ruining this dirty interior. I mean, this beautiful interior. So it has to have that balance, a balance, and you have to run the numbers in your head. So you, so the thing basically is. So let's say, arguably, you have a bigger. I mean, I have Mickey Mouse operation. To most people listening to this, my hundred acres is like a big garden to them. All right. So now most farms have two or three or four pickup trucks, all right? Bigger operations, they need it, all right? All right, they may have, they may keep the older one in service and then well, whatever you do, you rotate them down the line or what have you. But do you need three $80,000 pickup trucks? Maybe you do. Do you need three diesel pickup trucks? You say, well, I'm going to have, I'm going to have a, you know, this, this one here because I need, I'll use this to tow, to tow whatever the, 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 uh, the gooseneck loader with fertilizer or, or move, whatever it may be, you know, and the thing is that, but you need three of them. Well, maybe you want to have a whole fleet of them that look the same. Maybe you want to have three and maybe there's a business sense for it. But what I'm trying to say to you is that there is a very, very, very fine line when you come to machinery between what you want and what you need. And historically, is that the person, like I, my, my little Ranger has never seen anything but mobile one oil in it. All of my vehicles, even my farm tractor, factory parts, 
all right? Factory filters, factory everything. Mobile One Oil, the best grease, the best fuel, additized fuel, right? My little Escort, I had 500,000 miles. Mobile One from day one. Never had a non-Ford part in other than the last transmission pan gasket, which I couldn't get a Ford one leak like a sieve. All right, but the thing basically is, is that, and then you have a person, and I see them, they got this $70,000 pickup truck, right? Beautiful pickup truck. The, the water breaks out, it's a year and a half old. They're over looking to buy Chinese brakes in the uh, advanced auto. Don't you have cheaper ones? <laughs> but he's got this fancy pickup truck. So in essence, in essence, you know, you want to be able to look at and, you know, same thing is with farm with farm tractors, farm equipment. And I'm not knocking somebody who sells aftermarket parts. But why in God's name would you spend all of this money, all right, on a combine or on a sprayer and put 20 or 30, 40, 50, whatever the number may be, $10,000 worth of options are on it that are not going to make it spray the field better and then look and then look to buy the cheapest aftermarket Chinese parts to put on. And that is your business. That sprayer, that farm tractor, or that truck is your business. And you're going to put the flashy stuff, you know? And as I get ready to, well, I'm not going to close yet, but a couple more minutes, is that when we built our house, and I'm look, I'm not saying that I'm a know-it-all. I'm not saying that whatsoever, all right? But the thing is that I like to do my due diligence, and anybody who knows me that knows that. So we built our house. Our house is a modular, but ours is a high-end modular, and I've said this to you before on the show. It's it's built with the, there's not a piece of press board in this house. There's the best plywood. There's the, there's the, 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 the best beams. It's on, I guess they call it on center. It's the tighter on center. This thing is built to take a nuclear head on attack. And anybody that comes, I have a concrete block foundation, not a cinder block. I got French French drains around it. I got the extra height in the basement. It was all, I said to my wife, you do what you, I said to Sean, you do what you want as far as a decoration. I could care less. I'm, I'm talking the mechanical side of the house. All of my plumbing, my friend Tony did it. I said all my hot, for my baseboard hot water is industrial thicker tube piping, all right? So the thing is that when we put the air conditioner, when Tony put the air conditioner, we put a, a, a office building size return. You could put the AC on this thing, you don't even know it's on. You don't hear, Whoa, all right? So, and I wasn't smart enough, but... I was blessed because a lot of very, very good people in the trades were customers of mine because they were into cars, and I built drag race engines from. And the thing basically is that they came to me. No, 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 right? They gave me the the the, the straight scoop. You no, know, like electricians. No, this is the wire you're going to use. The, you know, don't use that crap. Use this over here. Go with the thicker gauge. Do everything. All right. And down the road, about five miles down the road, they were building some houses, more or less at the same time, and. Charlotte and I went to go look at them. They were gorgeous, right? You know, most expensive marble countertops, this, that. I don't have that. I got Formica, right? I'm not going to, I'm not ashamed of it, all right? All this, you know, we got hardwood floors in here from Africa and this and that, all right? I got linoleum, all right? So the thing in the kitchen, right? People come and look at the linoleum. Oh, that's a nice floor. It's linoleum. But anyway, uh, but the fact of the matter is you look at the construction of those houses. I went down in the basement. I wouldn't build my chicken coop with the wood they built those houses with. But boy, is it fancy on the outside. I'm not going to deny that. 
all right so the thing is that now the other thing i want to touch on briefly before we end over here is that you know i said don't overbuy do look at the piece of equipment whether it's and always leave yourself a buffer so if you say well I, you know, i'm gonna i really need a 300 horsepower tractor but you know maybe i'll buy a 350 or maybe i'll just buy 300 or what have you but you'll figure this all out say i really need a one ton pickup truck that has this towing capacity but i don't need one with leather upholstery i don't need you know my wife needs a new car uh you know whatever she needs a new car for whatever reason is she needs a new car but i'm not going to buy one with low profile wheels because it looks real cool i'm not going to buy one that requires a lot of maintenance i'm not saying to give her a buckboard to ride in but you could but there's a very very fine line from you over buying a piece of equipment and you're going to be living with that additional expense and lots of times a lack of reliability and i mean reliability simply because uh uh, because let's say for the tires because like this one with the bmw that's what i'm trying to think of but i don't want to go back to it all the time is that those tires are not practical all right so you know i'd rather say you go and buy a new tractor buy a new sprayer all right and, and put and instead of getting the leather upholstery put put if or vf tires on it and have less compaction in the field I'd rather see that. I'd say, hey, man, you know, I don't have the leather seats, but look at these tires I got. I got the VF tires, you know, uh, very high flexia and very low compaction tires. I'd rather see you do that. I'd rather see you put a pulse width modulated circuit, a PWN con control on a sprayer instead of buying something that's going to give you no value whatsoever. So you say, well, I, I'll step down instead of the 300 horsepower, I'll get the 250, I'd rather put it over there. So, you know, you really just like, you know, if you're a farmer and you're going to look at your, make your seed selection, you're going to try to balance that out and say, okay, this is the hybrid I want. This field, I'm going to put a workhorse hybrid. This field, I'm going to put a race horse for. You're going to look at, you know, do I want a triple stack protection? Do I want this? Do I want that. And you're going to try to make a business sense for it. And you're going to pencil that all out. And, you know, you're going to make mistakes because everyone does i do but the fact of the matter is is that when it comes to equipment that people end up putting a lot of additional expense on it that brings them no intrinsic value for their core business and if you're a farmer your core business is producing whatever your commodity you're selling whether it's animal agriculture or whether it's crop agriculture it's not going to so you have to look and say well hey if i put this better seat that costs a, what x amount i would say whatever and i could spend more hours and be more productive okay fine that's that's fine but then you say well how many so i'm going to this seat's going to bring intrinsic value to me three days a year then you pencil it out and say hey if it's worth x amount of dollars for three days a year when i'm planting or something like that that's fine god bless you then that's a smart decision and it's the right decision for you and the other thing that i wanted to touch on is that you know how much is too much and i'm not talking about how many options or expenses is that you know i see people then again it's like you know, i make the analogy of a mother dog with too many puppies or a cat with too many kittens all right she wishes them all the best she gives them a lick and a little bit of milk and that's all she could physically do for them and i see this so many times with people with equipment that they they have so much of everything and with rare exception then again with rare exception none of this stuff is maintained properly so you know you so it may be better off 
for you to buy less, not have five of these or six of these or three of these, all right, and 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 maintain it properly because it you, you end up having almost like a fleet and it's a full-time job that I see this, you know, I see this with people with cars and it's the same thing. I keep making the same analogy back and forth, back and forth, is that, you know, they have, oh, a friend of mine, you know, he's got six or seven, eight, nine cars. I mean, they're high-end, I mean, they're, they're hot rods and everything, but this one, the battery is dead on, this one, the tires are rotted out on, this one is this, this one needs to be waxed, this one is, you know, I haven't used it for so long, the rear main is leaking oil and what have you. So the take-home message here, it was not a technical show. It was a show about applying a business mindset to your equipment purchases. And I'm not saying don't take advantage of the latest technology. I'm not saying don't buy yourself something nice that you're proud of. I'm not saying that whatsoever. But the thing is that, you know, there has to be, just like I said to my sister, when we inherited, when my father died, my mother died first and my father died well, my mother died in 96. My father died in 2010, 14 years later. So when my father died, my sister and I both inherited the farm together, which I've said before on the show. I mean, where my house is, Charlotte's and my house is deeded off the farm. I mean, you would not know it looks like it's the same, but it's got a separate deed and block and lot number, which cost me $18,000 or $20,000. But anyway, the thing is that I said to my sister, because my sister, God God bless her, she has no business acumen whatsoever. She was a you know a, a, a township worker, not knocking it, but she was a, a paramedic for the town of Tonawanda where the Chevy engine plant is, and uh, so no business side of her whatsoever. I mean, so which is fine, doesn't make her a bad person. I have no medical side. I don't know how to save somebody in a heart attack, all right? Having a heart attack, which is what she would, did as a paramedic. But I said to her, her nickname is Cookie. I said to a Cookie, I said, we now have both wear two different hats. We wear the hat of brother and sister, which is a hat that is of love, of fam family love, all right? And now we're gonna wear the hat as business partners, I said, business partners and family love are two completely different things. So I said, I could be mad at you, I could be ticked off at you, I could fight with you as your business partner on the farm, or you could do that with me as the business partner on the farm. That does not cross over into our family love. But my our family love and and I said to her, I I said because I'm running the farm day to day, I'm living the farm, and you live up in Buffalo. I said that you have to trust me, and you have to make and you have to pull your weight. I'm not expecting you to jump on the tractor, but you have to pull your weight because we're business partners. So I said, business partner is completely different than brother and sister. And the same thing as I'm trying to say to you as I close is that you make decisions. And I see so many times people make decisions for on their business, their farm business or whatever it may be. It's a farm show. So I'm talking about that. The farm is same thing with mechanics. The guy goes, buys a snap on toolbox. Look, I'm not saying there's anything wrong. That's beautiful. But the fact of the matter is, you know, does, uh, is, you have to make a business sense for that $20,000 toolbox. That means empty. Without tools, that $20,000 toolbox is going to be more profitable for you than a $2,000 toolbox. 
All right. If you can make that business sense and it works here and you pencil it out, that's fantastic. But please do not let your emotions get a hold of you when you're making equipment, tools, tractors, trucks, farm equipment, decisions for your farm, for your business. And then also keep in mind that you have to maintain that and you're going to maintain it. And if you push yourself right to the financial or a ragged edge with that, you're not going to maintain it. That's that's a fact of life. You're going to let it go because you're going to let it go, and you're going to say, oh, fine, blah, 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 blah. And that's why, like I say to all of my audience before I go with long show today, is that, you know, people are buying stuff at auctions. You'd be surprised how a guy could wreck a tractor, an engine or a hydraulic system, in a few thousand hours. And I'm not against buying things at auctions, but the fact that as you have to do your due diligence and the thing, you have to go and see it, all right? You have to do a fluid test on it. You have to check it out. And I, and I know the auction people are very good. They'll say, oh, look, it's scratched here. Or this, this looks worn or what have you on a video. But I would not be comfortable without doing my due diligence and going there and checking that out, pulling a full, I would say a soil sample, a, a coolant sample, an engine oil sample, hydraulic fluid sample, and obviously it has to have some use on it, otherwise it's meaningless, and most of the time somebody's trading something in like that and they didn't take care of it. Historically, they're not going to take care of it because the guy's not going to spend $2,000 changing fluid to put it on the, to bring it to the auction lot. Maybe he would to hide something, who knows, I'm not going to, and I, I mean, I'm a Christian, I see the good in people, but the, the fact of the matter is, is that if you didn't take care of it when you had it, you're certainly not going to take care of it as it's going off the farm on a flat, on a low boy trailer to a uh, auction house, right? So the thing is that, you know, you want to be able to look at that and say, you know, hey, what is it going to cost me to do this? What is it going to do? And pencil that out and then make a decision based a little bit on emotion because you don't want to, you don't want to live in a, you say, well, man, I wish I got that better seat or I really like that radio. <clears throat> I mean, so the thing is that I'm not saying you live like a like a cheapskate, but make sure because your equipment, and I always say this on the show as you ever go, you know, agriculture runs on machinery, but profits on reliability, and profits are also the basis, the foundation, just like seed to soil contact, foundationally, your profits all right, and the reliability of the equipment is going to be rooted in the decisions that you made with when you purchased it. If whether it is a high maintenance piece of equipment, uh, even if it's not high maintenance, that the cost of the maintenance is very high, what have you, then that is going to erode your profits going down the road. All right, and right now we're enjoying $25 a hundredweight milk. We're enjoying whatever, $17, $18 beans, dollars $9, $8, $9 corn. All right, but we know anybody who's been in this long enough, what it's coming in now, right? Thank God, you know, fill, fill up your financial silo, make your smart business decisions so when it flips the other way, and we all know it well, all right, is that you have the good equipment, the new equipment, the maintained equipment, and then when the market goes the other way, you'll be fine because you made smart machinery decisions. I can't tell you about agronomy. I can't tell you about anything else, but you made smart machinery decisions. So just like now, my friends that were laughing at me with my little Ranger, they're paying $7 for diesel, and they're not moving any more, any more product than I am. All right, with my little Mickey Mouse Ranger. 
So that is basically it. So listen, nothing else today, <clears throat> but a, uh, I guess almost a lecture, right? So I want to thank you all for clicking in. And if you know, if you have any arguments with it, feel free to reach out to me, Hot Rod Farmer at FarmMachineryDigest.com and know that I am pulling for you, the American farmer and rancher, my beloved, beloved America. You have a blessed day and I'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.